0: And welcome. Welcome to My Favorite Murder.
1: It's the podcast you listen to, the True Crime Podcast, remember? You remember. You were there
0: that one time. All those times. That's Karen Kilgara. Hi, Karen. Hi, that's Georgia hardstone Hi. Um, um, hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got back yesterday from the last weekend of a five and a half month, two season tour. Yeah. It's Hi, we need... This, the summer off hi we're taking the summer off that's right
1: well we'll tell you all about that yeah. later it'll be fun you'll still get episodes don't worry yeah but we are also simultaneously gonna take vacations
0: we're gonna go to a three-month-long silent yoga retreat
1: yes in where, nova
0: scotia right where we eat vegan seal vegan seals the whole time yeah we eat with vegan seal right so it's seaweed 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 swim with dolphins it's
1: going to be amazing. And that's all we're doing. But also, yes, yeah, so it's silent. So all the podcasts will be silent <laughs> yeah. throughout the summer. That's right. Just around a minute. I mean, an hour and 28 minutes mm-hmm. of just silent
0: vocal, Screaming.
1: <laughs> vocal
0: oh, drag. What's yeah. it called? Oh, uh, vocal fry. Vocal fry. But
1: silent. But spiritual. seals. Yeah.
0: Seal vocal fry. And seal the vocalist. That's right. Yeah what a great what a great vocalist remember him um a couple quick things let's get them out of the way our fucking book comes out in a week that's holy right holy shit 6 days you're going to be able to buy
1: stay sexy and don't get murdered the Dual Memoir by Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstar.
0: That's right. May 28th. If you've pre-ordered, thanks. If, thank you. If you haven't, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. It's we, okay. lo- we
1: love that kind yeah. of push-pull <laughs> where
0: you're making us earn it. God, we want to now. And the audio book comes out the same day, so you can keep listening to our fucking voices. Yes, we read it ourselves. We did, yes. Yes, Paul Giamatti makes a fucking cameo
1: paul giamatti is the guest one of the guest narrators it's magical yeah the whole thing is um nuts it is and uh and then there'll be a very very brief
0: book tour very brief very angry book tour yeah or is there gonna be a lot of anger let's just do angry okay i mean easy (laughs) new york portland
1: la yeah prepare for our rage (laughs) as we talk about this book
0: um, go to MyFavoriteMurder.com for details. And also there you can find details about our Santa Barbara weekend in November that we're doing. Yeah. Did you hear about My Favorite Weekend? So it's basically like instead of going on a weekend tour at a couple different places, we're fucking taking over Santa Barbara. We're kicking out all the residents. Yes. They're really angry about it. That's going to be tough. We're busing them out. That's right. But we're keeping the pets so we can hang out with them. Right. And we're going to do a live show, fucking, the Murder Squad's going to do a live show, cast is going to do a live show, it's just going to be, and then you guys are going to have a chance to, like, meet up and hang out and special events, and it's going to be fucking cool.
1: Yeah, we're very, it's like a little, a mini, mini con. Yeah. Vention. We're conning you. It's, it's a con for sure. <laughs> it's a long it's, con. It's the long con all the way through <sighs> uh November. Yeah. So, um, again, go to murder.com to find out all the details. Yeah. And
0: think uh, of it as a cruise, but you don't have to throw up over the side of the boat unless you really want to. You we will have a throw up
1: section? Sure.
0: Um, we always do. It's the whole theater.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We you know somebody always comes through for us in that way. That's true. Um so yeah, but yeah, exactly. We won't we won't get caught on uh in high winds uh-uh. or rough waters. None of that is uh is anything we're going to be bringing to the table. No, you
0: want to look over and see dolphins or anything obnoxious like that.
1: No, not at all.
0: It's just BS,
1: but you will be paying top dollar <laughs> for a my favorite murder weekend. So there's a bunch of different
0: packages and hotel and all this stuff. So. Look it
1: up. See what, see what fits you and then come and hang out with us for the weekend. We're really excited. It's going to be super fun.
0: Yes. Oh, luminol mugs. Oh yeah. This might be luminal. Yes. We have a travel mug and a regular mug on my favorite murder on the store. I fucking love those. Now, am I right about this, that they light up in the dark? They glow in the dark. The luminol glows in the dark. The word luminol
1: glows in the dark.
0: You know those people who have those mugs that say, this might be vodka. And it's like Cheryl in accounting. You're Mm -hmm. like, Cheryl, you're so crazy. You're not Cheryl. That might be wine. Alcoholic Cheryl. Yeah. Well, now you can have one that says, this might be luminol. Yeah. Which, don't drink that. Don't drink luminol. It's poisonous, probably. And it's a waste. People need it To spot other liquids Someone gave us Vials of luminol At a live show recently Yes And I just was like Let's go to the hotel room And fucking Throw this about You
1: said that And then the the woman Who gave it to us Went no (laughs) She knows (laughs) Meaning she's done it She's like do not You don't want to see What's going to come up Under that black
0: light I don't What Uh, do you have?
1: A lot of people Got very Fired up About What the best Cracker treat Combination (laughs) is (laughs) Is this something we should talk about a little bit? Always. Snacks. Because people really, Stephen Snack <laughs> corner. Stephen <laughs> Oh, I've got some responses for the uh, for that snack when you said this is the best snack cracker. Yeah. And then he just handed me like eight pa- <laughs> printed pages of responses from people. Can I get a copy of those, please?
0: Yes. I take it very seriously, but credit goes to Jay for okay. finding those. Oh, so. did Jay find them? Yes,
1: he did. There was one guy, and I uh, wonder if it's in here because there's so many, where a guy just, he DM'd us. And he just wrote on the on the Twitter, which I actually never look at the DMs of, because it's like, oh my god, that's Mm -hmm. it's open DMs, that's a nightmare. Mm -hmm.
0: But DM all over
1: the floor, (laughs) all over the place, (laughs) really gross. But for some reason, I opened it, and then it just said Graham crackers with peanut butter, boom. (laughs)
0: like someone that just like this discussion is over about what the best snack is we're not in the middle of this discussion like we talked about that two weeks ago yeah maybe two. yeah
1: that's how every response on social media is for the person responding and going i'm gonna log on twitter and let them know how i feel uh it's always it just happened for them mm-hmm. oftentimes they're like I need to talk about what happened in e- episode 64 and it's like <laughs> no we're, we're not doing that anymore
0: I wasn't I don't even remember being alive then I there are people walk up to us
1: wearing shirts of things we said <laughs> on this podcast at the meet and greets and every time I go oh my god that's so funny and then they'll go like you said it or like she <laughs> said it to you and we're like
0: really this is great or it'll be like you said it last episode and it's like holy shit oh, yeah that's a bad sign someone Speaking of snacks, can I just say that someone sent us a snack pack backstage when we were just in Minneapolis without an explanation? And I just, (laughs) I hope they're okay because it was um, onion and chive or like onion and garlic crackers. Yeah. Cottage cheese. Oh, that's right. And then mint fudge. (laughs) And I was like, this can't be right. I hope they're okay. Okay. Well, you would say that, right? Right. Having not
1: read a couple of these pages that steven okay. handed me that jay found give me some highlights so get get up on this like this is the first one i saw from someone named jordan and a lot of these are coming through just as like listed out recipes so it just says the number one one saltine two smear some creamy peanut butter on it okay. three slice dill pickle Ew. and then here's the Underneath that. Do not say gross until you ingest it. <laughs> it is creamy, sour, salty, crunchy, and sweet. No. My fave hungover snack, mm. my, which may also be a new subgroup name, Peace and Blessings Jordan. <laughs> 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 People got into this. Well, That sounds gross, but yeah, I guess not. It's kind of, it's kind of good. Then there's really fancy ones yeah. like, um, this is from Kayla and she wrote, here's my new favorite snack ever. I don't know if there are Aldi's in California, but they sell an artichoke jalapeno drip. Mm.
0: Uh, drip dip, dip. Dip. Drip drip, drip, drip. Dip. It says dip. It's, I said drip. It's a fucking injection. You put it into your arm <laughs> and it's it a is slow delicious. jalapeno drip. They fucking have an um artichoke jalapeno dip at Trader Dose. That is so good. I wonder if that's same. I'm proud it is. Okay, what does it say? Uh so she says she spreads it on. Thick
1: sliced salami wrapped up, mm-hmm. and it's the easiest and most delicious snack. All right. So she's using the salami yeah, like as the cracker. Gluten-free. Loving it. Oh, and then she says, if I'm feeling really crafty, I'll add a Ritz to everything cracker. <laughs> oh, oh, Ritz everything cracker <laughs> to the mix. <laughs> uh. Uh, wait, there was a couple of them that, oh, how about this? this is from steve my favorite cracker is something that my mother got me addicted to while i was just a little kid it's her favorite snack as well step one take a delicious take a delicious buttery ritz cracker many of these are yeah. ritz cracker based these are recipes. all this is
0: fucking ritz, empo- it's ritz employees, employees being forced to email us <laughs> i know what you're we know what you're doing ritz you don't get a free fucking commercial out of us ritz and triscuit are going head to head in this
1: corner promo code fuck you <laughs> Step two: Put a dollop or a smear, if you're Georgia, of cream cheese onto it. Uh-huh. Step three: Top with a smoked oyster. Oh, so I guess this is from the one percent. <laughs> they sent an email from the elite strata.
0: Smoked oysters are for hobos. What
1: are you talking about? Hold on, she said. Uh, they Steve said. Sorry, Steve, who calls himself a crackerino. <laughs> <laughs> I understand full well that this sounds like some people's version of hell, and uh, had I not been raised on this delicacy myself, I wouldn't likely try it either. No. But something about it is so savory and salty and buttery, and at the same time, that is pure bliss. You really should try it. Wow. Stay sexy and don't avoid seafood that comes in a can and is readily available at the dollar store. Oh. Steve Crackerino. Mercury poisoning (laughs) aisle one. That's the savory taste, is that mercury, (laughs) under the underpinnings of mercury. Is your death being closer? Then there's stuff like, there's some people that are genuinely being fancy. Mm -hmm. So it's like. Caviar with caviar? It's, (laughs) no, not really. Oh, this is, this one I like. This is from just the letter A. As for cracker snacks, the best ones I ever ate was when I was a little kid at Vacation Bible School. Oh. You take a Ritz cracker, cracker. Of course you do. Top it with a little bit of jarred spaghetti or pizza sauce what? and mozzarella cheese and toast it in an <gasps> oven until melty and voila. Toasted Ritz. Vacation Bible School pizza crackers. My son once had a party and I made those. They were all five years old. And I, one kid raved about them so much that the mom had to call me and ask for the <laughs> recipe. <laughs>
0: damn
1: a little pizza ritz that's adorable it's actually pretty pretty precious that's a step above i mean yeah it just goes on and on this way maybe we'll post some
0: on the um fan cult Uh, here's the thing do you remember why apricot jam got mixed into that other recipe yeah because i'm crazy and said that you you should put a little apricot jam on top (laughs) of your pickle and whatever mac and what was it yeah and and pepper Jack. jack pepper jack yeah and i fucking stand by it did did have you eaten that Not with a pickle. Okay. But I'm definitely a jam and cheese person for sure. I've been hip to that with you and your charcuterie
1: boards and the the cheese boards that I'm now, I used to on like hotel menus be like, that's not for me. Yeah. That's not my area. And now I'm like, I believe it to be my area. I open your eyes to Mm -hmm. the,
0: ask for a little bit of honey on the side. And maybe
1: some of that good young fig jam that I love so much. Right. That's always good. (laughs) Anyway, okay. snacks abound. You know what we should do is take all these and put them on the website. For sure. Cracker Corner. For sure. I'm going to I'm going to file those away too.
0: Cracker Corner. Shareables. It is crappening. I mean, look at it just keeps it just keeps going. Oh, I want I need a copy of those for okay. my for my recipe book for <laughs> to go right in there for my recipe folder. Um, who goes first, Steven? Georgia goes first yes! this week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's such a relief to go first, you know. <laughs> Just like that that much closer to being done. (laughs) You guys, we love doing this podcast. No, we love it. But there is something about going first to me that's just like, then afterwards I can relax and just listen to yours, crack a can of wine, and chill out. It's a bit of a hang. But
1: also I think like we, I've gotten very comfortable complaining on this podcast about being tired and being, doing other stuff, um, which I shouldn't. I shouldn't be like that
0: well it's, it's hard true. Not to. it's true and true <laughs> so <laughs> i tie tight i mean we're so fucking happy and this is amazing but yeah i think and a lot of people have been saying to us like you guys can take a break it's okay yeah and i think we're finally catching up to that we're like oh yeah that's right we should do that my therapist today when i was just weeping in therapy <laughs> which is not like me he's like yeah you seem exhausted mm-hmm. <laughs> like you've never said that to me before and I was just like, can you leave me alone so I can just cry for a minute? Yeah. Please witness ma- my
1: emotions. Can I get a witness? Can you? I need credit that I cried yeah. right now yeah. to show that I can.
0: And that it's important <laughs> to me. Then fucking Vince, because it was couples therapy that we got back in the car and I was like crying and I was like, I feel like I shouldn't stop because this never happens to me. And he's like, totally. I'm here for this. And then he makes a joke and I start fucking laughing. I'm like, god, <laughs> god damn it, Vince! We made some silly, cute joke Aww. that just made me laugh. I was like, um,
1: there was some, my sister sent me something cause I was doing, while we were gone, I was having some emotional upheaval, turmoil. It just felt like a, almost like it, stomach flu. It felt like that kind of thing where it was like, it was not connected to anything specific but there would just be like these weird weepy like bouts a bout of weeping and they would just kind of come over me and Mm. then i'd just be like just let it do it just Uh, let it be here and then let it go and like barf it out or whatever but of course um kind of similar but probably exactly opposite events is when i call my sister because i almost never i'll call her to talk about stuff yeah but i won't ever call her like losing my mind yeah because i know that actually. She doesn't like it. Who who does? <laughs> who does really? What's wrong with her? But she's re- but the funny thing is when you do, she's really good at like, uh, she's really good at just like in the moment or just being okay. Hold on a second, Snapping because but you don't realize, it, yeah. yeah. And then she'll kind of bring everything else into perspective. And she's really—it's very funny because you wouldn't think it, but she's really into horoscopes and astrology oh, type of things. Yeah. So she immediately sends me this astrology. Meme thing, yeah, all about how there are these solar storms, and it's not your fault, it's not your fault, and because you're so sensitive and yeah. you're such a you know, you're such a uh, empath w- or air sign or whatever the yeah. fuck it is that like that's the reason this is all happening. I've always to you. thought that
0: about you, Karen, <laughs> like, oh, she's such an air sign. I'm an earth sign, actually. Oh, sh- uh, a what sign? Uh, earth. An earth. I'm earth. I thought you said ner- a nurse sign, I'm just a nurse. I'm just. <laughs> Posing as a nurse. Oh, Uh, I'm a firefighter sign.
1: But then it actually feels good when even though we can all argue that it's bullshit or it's just Mm -hmm. too far away to actually affect us. And yet, how does the moon make our periods happen? But it it uh, fucking curses us. It does. But it's interesting when things like that happen. And then you can just kind of go like, then it's like this thing is passing through and now it's a time of renewal. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's good. It's good to like emote. Yeah. Barf it out and let it and feel blame like blame it
0: on something else blame
1: it on something else and then be like I'm renewed yeah. I'm gonna do something I'm, else now. I'm a flower I'm opening up
0: So well, I'm getting period every two weeks so that's how stressed out I am oh so that's no yeah it's not good are you going to get that looked up? Uh-huh. <laughs> looked up in the dictionary? <laughs> I am. Right up that dictionary. <laughs> Put that speculum right <laughs> up my dictionary, please. And tell me what the fuck is wrong with me. And just tell me. Give me some definitions. Oh, If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. promo code
1: space 80
0: goodbye. goodbye okay well guess what what so you know sometimes i like to do stories that aren't exactly murders or just morbid like deaths at an amusement park yes um deaths at a different amusement park yeah a different one Yeah, right. those kinds of stories and a third amusement and park. another amusement park even you've done three i think i think you're right yeah, yeah. um so, I love any off off the beaten path. Okay, version. So this one is morbid, but it's not murder because I kind of was like, I can't keep murder. <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> so this is one of the things that when I found is another one like like death set in an amusement park. That when I found out about, I just buried my face in the articles for hours and hours and hours, and I go back to it all the time because I just find it so fascinating. Let's hear it. These are the just some of the bodies on Mount Everest. Oh, shit. How about that? Yes. Are you here for this? Yes, I am. Do you ever do any, like, have you ever... I'm sure you click open those articles. Have I climbed it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Me? I went to
1: base camp A. Um, no, but you know what I did? I've seen a couple of those documentaries. Mm-hmm. And going into them i am not interested in a in a climbing life i'm not interested in to me it seems like you're signing up to probably die like there's so many things that can go wrong yeah but i am fascinated by people who are so driven by a thing like that yeah it's it's so interesting to me without having anything in common with it you know it kind of pisses me off
0: and like i'm just like just chill out (laughs) Mm-hmm. no i i it's it is so foreign to me that it's yeah it's crazy okay so i got a lot of information from um an article on ranker by sabrina um Ithal and a website called mpora.com by tristan kennedy and all that's interesting.com by katie serena and i mean there's just so many articles all over the internet you can find yeah so here we go karen 200 bodies still remain on everest with nearly one out of every ten climbers perishing atop the mountain on average. One out of ten. One out of ten. Those are bad odds. Those are terrible odds. Hey, rich people. Yeah. Those are bad odds. I mean, let's be honest. It's fucking... It's rich people with a lot of time or it's... It's... Yeah. The It is. I think that's what it is. Yeah. it's who, like CrossFitters who take it too far. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, there's probably like the camp of like, no, I've been in this since I was a kid yeah, and climbers. I've been sponsored or something. but yeah. But yeah i feel like that's true but the, when the odds are one in ten yeah like what if you were it was like that's what ke- the odds of camping were
0: I wouldn't you wouldn't go. be like oh here we go i'm well, just it's gonna like, roll the dice it's a weird thing of like well thinking you're special you know what i mean where it's like you think you're special but really it, there's a lot of it that has nothing to do with you right because it's then it's
1: nature at its most vicious yeah Air that barely exists, mm-hmm. like the basics that humans need. Let me tell you. About Please tell it. me. Okay. I'm, gonna t-
0: I'm telling you what I don't know. <laughs> How about you
1: tell me what you do know?
0: Okay. Frozen corpses have become almost run-of-the-mill On Mount Everest. Everest has claimed the lives of almost 300 climbers since the first attempt to conquer the mountain in 1921. Two-thirds of whom are buried in the mountains, ice, and snow. So two-thirds of the bodies of people who have died there since 1921 are still fucking there. Right. Despite the risks, thousands swarm to Nepal every year in an effort to conquer the tallest point on Earth, and many of them never leave. No, they don't. So Mount Everest is... Uh, 29,000 feet, it's the world's highest mountain above sea level, sits directly on the border of Tibet and Nepal, and mountaineers are crazy about it. More than 296 people have died trying to climb it. I think like I'm throwing out a lot of numbers that aren't adding up, but let's just keep going. <laughs>
1: well, well, 296 clearly got rounded up to three, 300, which is almost, what happens
0: in so many articles. I said almost 300. Yeah. And I was right. You're fine. <laughs> most deaths most have been attributed to avalanches, injury from fall, serac collapse, um, which I think is a climbing thing, exposure, frostbite, or health problems related to conditions on the mountain, and not all... Uh, bodies have been located so there's not a lot of details on like how those ones died so they can't be like most people died from this or that because they, they just don't know where they are yeah exactly so it could be a fucking meteor for all we know could be the yeti which I absolutely and 100% believe is real it's it that's true it's happening okay um, okay so Everest because of all the bodies that are still on it it uh, is it is the it has the title of the world's largest open air graveyard Oh, which like God, that that's sucks. dark. <laughs> that was like, yeah, right.
1: Well, also, yeah, I think that's not what people would think of first.
0: The world's largest open air graveyard. The upper reaches of the mountain are known to climbers as the death zone, and the death zone is a mountaineering term for altitudes above a certain point, around twenty six thousand feet, um, where oxygen level is not sufficient to sustain human life. You knew. Yeah. So when the human body enters this altitude, it just starts dying immediately. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not insane. It just starts stopping to work. And people are prepared to start dying and push on through it. Yeah. Or? So, um, so in the death zone, the human body cannot, um, acclimatize. Is that right? I think so. As it uses oxygen faster than can be replenished. So it becomes a race against the clock. You have to, so at that point, they have to race to get to the summit. Okay. So, as um, they die, as they're dying, so they they don't fully die. Okay. And then back again before their body fails them. Since (sighs) oxygen at this level is only a third of what it is at sea level, climbers find themselves sluggish and disoriented and fatigued. And the pressure. I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my life, sweetheart. Uh, What's up? Um, the pressure because of that makes the weight feel 10 times heavier than it actually is. Same. all over it and causes extreme distress on organs Mm -hmm. is this you my
1: liver is crying right now
0: (laughs) um because of this climbers usually only have a window about 48 hours inside the death zone and so they can get up and fucking back before and they're strongly urged to use supplemental oxygen at all times but there are these crazy fucking people are like i want to do it without oxygen (laughs) yeah like as if somehow they're you know well you know what that makes me think of is like when they go to
1: the party when they get back and you know they talk about climbing mount everest for the rest of their lives yeah but that those details at the cocktail party when they are bragging will be lost on everyone so the kind of the thing that they is the biggest victory people are just gonna be like right the death zone yeah
0: yeah like i didn't carry oxygen with you why oh
1: because I thought everyone could take a toot, if yeah. They wanted why wouldn't toot. you
0: do that? It's just, it's like.
1: A- do you remember? Sorry, I just had this recovered memory. No, In 9/11, that you that you climbed Everest? that I climbed Everest oh, and I shit. forgot to brag about it. <laughs> no, that on nine eleven there was a doctor running into the rubble, and he kept saying, "Can I take a toot of uh, like there was there was like a um you know, either a fireman or an ambulance yeah. worker standing there. And he was taking as he called it, taking a toot and then running into places to see wow. if there was anyone alive.
0: Did he make it?
1: Yeah, I believe so, but I mean, I how I, did that come about? Taking a toot? That just, was
0: that was like literally
1: live. CNN was just <gasps> going live to fucking Ground Zero and being like, "What's happening?"
0: And then suddenly someone, you're like, "This toot is not the right word for this fucking." But moment. he was like,
1: "It was like this fuck He was a guy in scrubs, Shit. and he was just like, "We got to get in there. Give me a toot." And
0: then oh, fucking running what they in. Call it. Let yeah. us know, everyone. Doctors, nurses, doctors that do cocaine. Let us know. To that's a <laughs> Okay. Um da da, da da da. Where was I? Okay. So many deaths at high altitude mountaineering have been caused by the effects of the death zone, either directly because of loss of fucking vital functions in your goddamn body <laughs> or indirectly, which I think this is interesting because you make unwise decisions when you're under stress or physical weakening leading to accidents. So you become it's like when you have a um when you have uh what's it called when you're super hot? And the sun's beating down on you. Just sexiness? <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, sunstroke? Sunstroke. And you start taking your clothes off. Or when you have um, f- frostbite and you take your clothes off to yeah, yeah. cool down. But right. it's not, that's not what happens. It's like your body is sending you the wrong signals. So you do stupid shit. The extreme cold... Pres- um, so it, when they die... On the mountain, the extreme cold preserves the bodies and keeps them intact just as they fell. And due to the difficulties and dangers in bringing bodies down, because it's so hard to even just go up on your own let alone bring someone down, most of those who die in the mountain remain where they fall. And they turn, the bodies turn into something like a morbid landmark for the climbers who are going up and down. It's like, well, once you pass this person, then you know you're halfway there and you, like, they know them and then probably they're like talisman. I'm sure they have a moment of silence or something for them. I hope. You know what I mean? I think it's like a respectful thing. Good. Um So the first recorded deaths on the mountain were the seven porters or Sherpas who died in an avalanche in 1922 on uh, a British Mount Everest expedition. And the fucking Sherpas, man, these are people who do this all the time and have, you know, dozens of climbs under their belt. They're really incredible, but they also then are more susceptible to accidents because they're going up so often. They're doing it so often. Right. So um, Sherpa is one of the ethnic groups native to the mountainous regions of Nepal and the Himalayas and many are highly regarded as elite mountaineers and Sherpas and their teams are hired by mountain climbers to help manage and advise on their climbs as well as carry the oxygen, carry the gear, set up camp, and as a safety expert. Because they've lived at that altitude for generations, their bodies are used to it and they have a genetic natural allowance for it. So so many, when you hear of people who are like, the guy at the party is like, yeah, I had a solo climb. The guy is bragging that everyone's like, great, Jim. <laughs> um, many solo climbers actually use Sherpas. Sure. They just fucking call it solo. Yeah. So um, in total, 118 Sherpas have died on Everest between 1921 and 2018. An April 2018 report by NPR stated that Sherpas account for one third of Everest deaths. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is so tragic. Okay. Um, And while dangerous for the novice climber, the mountain also has claimed the lives of some of the most experienced climbers. One of the most infamous tragedies on the mountain was the 1996 Mount Everest disaster on May 11th nineteen ninety six, during which eight people died while making summit attempts. So on in one day, eight people died. Shit. And there's a really small window of when you're allowed to um climb. It's like sometime in May. It's like a few weeks, I think, because it's just like these this is when the weather allows it. Go. Yeah. Um so that's like, you know, eighteen people. Nope. That's eight people in a really short a period of time. Uh and it was turned into the movie Everest, which I will definitely see at some point. It stars a bunch of famous people i've seen jake be- gyllenhaal yeah i've seen the
1: beginning of it and it's to- it's good you want to watch it because i'm pretty sure um josh brolin is also mm-hmm. in it he's one of the leaders there's just a bunch of really good people and it's kind of it feels very real the way they shot it yeah. it kind of feels like you're just there eavesdropping as all these real people are going to go do this Crazy. thing yeah. i mean
0: i wouldn't yeah i would have bummer to even shoot that let alone hike everest climb ever excuse me that's hike is probably insulting um in that entire 1996 season 15 people died trying to reach the summit making it the deadliest single year in the mountains history to that point uh on april 18th 2014 16 sherpas were killed in an avalanche that struck base camp Just over a year later, on April 25th, 2015, 19 people were killed in an avalanche at base camp following a 7.8 earthquake, which killed at least 9,000 people and injured at least 23,000 in Nepal. Shit. Yeah. So this is the worst single day death toll ever in the history of Mount Everest in modern incidents with accurate counts. All right. So on to specific people. Let's talk about the one you've probably heard of and everyone's heard of, Green Boots. No, no, I haven't. Okay. I mean, he, not me. This is like the most famous uh, I guess you could call it landmark oh. uh, while climbing. Oh. So climbers taking the North Call route to Everest Summit inevitably end up passing the mountain's most infamous landmark, green boots. He's called this because of the brightly colored hiking boots that he was wearing when he died. Oh. And I mean, it's there's photos. Like it's they're not gruesome because there's no skin, there's no face. It's but you can say it's fucked up. Yeah. Um, well, they gre- look like kind of like mummies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Green Boots identity, but they're covered in their clothes most of the time. Well, Green Boots identity has always been hotly contested. He's widely believed to be an Indian climber named Swang Paljor who died along with two of his colleagues in 1996. So because they can't see his face, they're not sure if it's him or the other two, but they're pretty sure it's him. Um, Peljour was part of a high-class Indian expedition of six people to summit Everest that yielded only one survivor. Whoa. Um, Harbajan Singh. Singh later recalled that the expedition was marred by mistakes and he had urged the other men to abandon their quest because of inclement weather um, that was heading in, but the Singh and his men uh refused, and they succumbed to summit fever. A term used when climbers abandon thoughts of safety and often their own morals because they are close to reaching the summit and become blinded by the drive to cross cross the finish line. Above all else, so it's this like I fucking came here to to get to the top. You can't say to someone at a party, "I hiked Everest." Two thirds of the way, yeah, you know, yeah. So they just like don't think about all the safety, like like even their own morals. Whatever it takes, right? Which is just not good so the body of green boots looks as though he toppled over from exhaustion Mm mid-stride it looks like he was just doing like a um what do they call it what's the ski walk thing like cross country skiing, yeah, and he just like t- it looks like he just toppled over, Ugh. um, and he, it's been he did so in what's been now since known as Green Boots Cave. Luckily, his face and Skinner obscured, but this, but his um blue snow pants, red snow jacket, a couple tanks of oxygen are right where they fell, along with him, along with his neon green hiking boots. Um, Paul Jor's body has become a landmark seen by every climber attempting the Northeast Ridge route to the summit. Mm. So it's like the most famous one. Wow. Then there's Francis Arsentiev. Frances, uh, her story is fucked up because she was alive when climbers first found her in need of help.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, this one's
0: fucked up. So Frances, uh, let's see, Arsene and her husband, Sergey were avid climbers who uh, sought to climb Everest in 1998. Frances had a goal to become the first American woman to summit Everest without the use of supplemental oxygen, which is like... Yeah.
1: We, it's kind of like... That's like wanting to be like the first woman to swim across the ocean without having anybody look out for sharks for her.
0: <laughs> I mean, isn't it? Yeah. But you, it's like you want to be a you want to be a first something and that's the only option, so you're going to go for it even if it's not safe. Like right. she couldn't just be a f- woman who who'd, who'd Who'd gotten to the top of Everest? How about the first woman with it, like with a buzz cut sure. on top of Everest? You Mohawk. shave
1: that hair, yeah. Get up there and and you just, like toot all the oxygen you want the entire yeah, time, toot, motherfucker. That's the thing you need, yeah.
0: Anyway. That's right. Don't be a hero.
1: Let's not put up walls and uh, boundaries in front of ourselves that actually take oxygen away from us. Right. Whatever you do,
0: keep the oxygen. Keep that (laughs) O2 flowing. That's right. Toot toot. So after two aborted attempts of trying to get up on there without supplemental oxygen, she finally succeeded very late in the day on May 22nd, 1998. So she fucking did it and made it. Um, but she became separated from her husband, Sergey as they descended, oh. which is like so scary. Can you imagine like looking down and being like, where'd you go? Right. Oh, shit. And she's all high off
1: of not having oxygen and, and adrenaline and adrenaline and whatever other chemicals start going through your body. Right. And then she's like, oh, look, unicorns, a whole <laughs> bunch of unicorns. Yeah. And she just runs off to the side.
0: Oh. So uh, arriving back to camp around... Um, on May 23rd in the evening, uh, Sergei found that his wife hadn't returned. So even though he was exhausted, he turned around and headed back up the mountain to attempt to rescue her. Mm-hmm. Um, on his way up, he passed a, a team of uh, Uzbek climbers who'd abandoned their own summit attempt to help to try to help Francis oh. down as far as they could. Um uh, but they weren't able to get her all the way down. And the following morning, climbers Ian Woodall and Kathy O'Dowd and their team were amazed to find what they thought was a body uh, still alive. So uh, she murmured to them, don't leave me. Oh. So she's stuck, she's frozen in place, and she's still alive oh. overnight. But um, she was immobile and slipping in and out of consciousness, and she was beyond rescuing. And there... Um, so after spending nearly an hour with her in the temperatures of minus 30, Ian and Kathy were forced to leave Francis when their own oxygen was running out. So like they wanted to stay with her. They didn't want to leave her. It was it was like they wouldn't have died, too, if they had. Right. Um, In her book, Just for the Love of It. Uh, Kathy O'Dowd writes, quote, I had never encountered anything like this. I had passed bodies. I had had friends not come back, but I had never watched anyone die, nor had I had to decide to leave them. Uh, neither Sergey or Francis returned. So he went back up to look for her. And, didn't. and he didn't come back either. Mm-mm. And it was later learned that Sergey had fallen to his death trying to reach his wife. So what he went, he took a weird step and then went down it looks like she might have been, like, had slid down a mountain. And so maybe he saw her and started to try to reach her and fell. Um, so like green boots, Francis um, Arsenteev's body lay right next uh, to the uh, route for years, dressed in her black snow pants and purple snow jacket. And she was passed by hundreds of climbers going to and from the summit and became known as the Mount Everest Sleeping Beauty. Oh, in 2007, Ian Woodall, the guy who had to leave her behind, returned with the intention of moving her body out of sight, because I think it's like a respect thing. Like, you know, let's get her out of the way. So people don't take photos and shit like that. Right. And he covered her with an American flag and placed a note from her family on her body. Oh, I know. So David Sharp, uh, like Francis and Sergey, David Sharp was climbing Mount Everest without a support team and without the aid of bottled oxygen. Um, it's, believe- it's a weird pride thing. I know. It doesn't make sense. It's the thing of like, yeah, you need to one up on yourself. Like it's you like- can't get high on your own supply anymore. So you're like, I'm going to fucking do this then. Check this
1: out. It's like being like, I can drink the most shots. Whereas right. like, yes,
0: you can. <laughs>
1: and then where
0: will you be yeah that's yeah you don't but you don't need to right um where is the true victory that's right so um it's believed he made it to the summit on may 14th 2006 is that today no today's like the 20 something um (laughs) close i know but on his way down fatigued and confused he stopped and sat down in green boots cave Oh, no. Around 40 climbers from several expeditions are thought to have passed David Sharp on their way up the mountain the next day. A climbing party stopped, and when they realized Sharp was still alive, um, they... They didn't make any attempt to rescue him until they passed him again on the way down about nine hours later. So they were like, we're on our way up. Oh, he's still alive. We'll get him on the way back nine hours later. Yeah. And this, um, by this point, Sharp, by the time they reached him afterwards, he was uh, alive, but beyond help. And he died frozen in the position he'd sat down to rest in with his knees like tucked up and his arms kind of huddled around his uh, knees. So, um, I mean, you can see that the person was just like, I need a restroom a it. And then they just stay that way. Right. Because you
1: can't. Like, it's almost like he wasn't making good decisions. Then the, the pack of people right. who are clearly have the eyes and the prize disease right. you were talking about earlier, they're not going to make the best decision for that guy.
0: Yeah. They're not well, going to be
1: like, forget it. We're going to do, we're going to help you.
0: Um, but, but many, but so, um, the, the, that team maintained that they believed Sharp was beyond help on their way up, which may have been true, but it was like a controversial decision still. And, um, as, let's see, like, uh recovering a body requires a shit ton of effort so and risks. so most of the time they're just left there even if they're dying but a lot of people think that if you see someone in, in need of help on your way up it's your duty to halt your mission and help even if it means abandoning your summit but people pay between 30 grand and as high as 130 grand right um to get to get that fucking Experience an opportunity, and so they're not willing to abandon their quest. No, we call it that. Of course not to help someone, which is fucked up. Yeah. So, but l- I'm I mean, like, like, I think th- it's a, I think it's a mountaineering. People like you take a side. You're like, it's they're torn between whether you do or not. Well,
1: because it's easy to say you should abandon your quest. Then there's the person who actually sunk a hundred grand into right. doing this thing that he he could die doing too. Yeah. I mean, you could kind of argue from any angle. It's yeah. crazy, but
0: morally. You're going to get back down and be a normal person again, and you're going to have left someone to die. Yep. For money, because you spent them, like, and for, you know, glory. For money and for, like, cocktail party glory. Yeah. Or
1: maybe you get to be in a magazine Well, what if you're, like,
0: wouldn't you rather hear, I saved someone on Mount Everest at a cocktail party? Personally, yes. Yeah, me too. I was going up, and this guy was dying, and... Although... I'm not saying that I would
1: walk away if someone said I actually killed someone on Mount Everest. You I wonder if
0: there's ever been a murderer.
1: I mean, that's the perfect place to do it. Yeah. But also, it's, its yeah, they're creating their own culture of, if I paid this much money,
0: how could I be expected to? Yeah. I mean, that's the world Every we live in for now. for kind of a thing. Yeah. Or herself. For real. Um, And so, da, 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 da. that's it. Okay. Then George Mallory. George Mallory is one of the oldest bodies on the mountain. When he died on Everest in the 1920s, Mallory was uh, the most famous mountaineer of his time and arguably arguably, of our time as well, like of any time. Mm-hmm. Um, when asked why he wanted to climb uh, the as-then-unconquered Mount Everest, Mallory famously replied, because it's there. Oh, right. I know that kind. Yeah. But his body wasn't discovered until uh, nearly 75 years later. In oh, 1999, no. so he died. Did people know he was dead, or was he just missing? I think they must have known he was dead, but yeah, they had not. No one knew where his body was. It was kind of this like it almost seemed like treasure. Yeah. you know, like <laughs> who, which are we going to find his body? Wow. But so to this day, though, and the re- one of the reasons they wanted to find his body is because to this day, no one is sure whether he and his climbing partner, Sandy Irvine, who also perished on the mountain, reached the summit on the mountain on June 8th, 1924, my birthday. Um oh. So they don't know if they made it or not because they died and they weren't you weren't able to find them. So you couldn't. You know tell by the evidence if they had right so um they were climbing (laughs) they were climbing dressed in the time of what was mountaineering clothes in tweed (laughs) oh tweed suits like a fucking professor like indiana jones style (laughs) like these dudes were fucking indiana jones yes they were weren't they um they were using incredibly primitive equipment by today's standards and including very clunky oxygen bottles um (laughs) And yet when they were last sighted, they were just a few hundred vertical feet short of the summit. And according to a fellow expedition member, they were going strongly for the top, but then they disappeared, no sign of them. So they were never seen alive again. And the question whether or not they made it, it remains to this day, one of mountaineering's greatest mysteries. An expedition was launched in 1999 to try and find Mallory's body in hopes of solving the mystery. But uh, Mallory's mummified corpse it's finally located and you can see photos of it okay. it's fucking creepy it's like this it's like straight up one-eyed willy style like goonies yeah. shit yeah yeah um but it didn't really reveal much he appears to have fallen to his death and from the injury around his waist caused by his rope uh, it has been figured that he and irvine were still roped together when they fell so yeah. irvine's probably farther down the mountain but two pieces of circumstantial evidence suggest that he did make it to the top. Mallory was found with a pair of snow goggles in his pocket. And he, um, it was thought that if he didn't have his snow goggles on anymore, then maybe it was because the sun had gone down, which would imply that they had died late in the night, which means they would have uh, – they were making their way back down, which means they would have made it. Okay. And also, he said that when he got to the top, he was going to place a photo of his wife, Ruth at the top of Everest. Um, and when they found his well-preserved wallet on him, there was no photo of his wife in it. Okay. So he well, that's probably made it. Good.
1: Yeah. That's hopeful. Right. I pictured them falling into an ice cave. mm I wonder if I'm getting that from one of those many documentaries. Like that idea that like you step down, you think you're like, oh. you're, you're coming back down or you're going up or whatever it is. And you, you start thinking like falling like,
0: through the ice. Yeah.
1: That basically it's like one false step. I bet that happens.
0: But then also in the ice cave is
1: treasure
0: and yetis. <laughs> um, the Yeti family treasure. <laughs> so there's also money. In the recovery of bodies on Mount Everest. In 2017, a team of local Sherpa climbers recovered the body of three climbers that had been on Everest for a year. The high-risk expedition was financed with about $92,000 from the Indian state of West Bengal. uh, Bengal. Mm. So... uh. The expedition sparked this crazy debate about uh, in the mountaineering community about the morality of risking more lives to retrieve bodies from ev- Everest. And in a way, I feel like if you're this like crazy mountaineer, you've been doing it for years and years to get to this one spot of fucking getting to the top of Everest and you die, I feel like a lot of them maybe would want to s- stay there. I would think so. Right? It's part of the
1: glory yeah. of what you were – you died – like, it's literally that he died doing what he loved.
0: Thing. Yeah, and like, scatter my ashes over somewhere I like, you know? Right. My pool, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, Aang- scatter my ashes into
1: my pool. Would and then please clean them back it's out. It's an
0: apartment building pool. But don't, just do it. People
1: need to swim, <laughs> so if right. you could clean them back out immediately, that'd be great.
0: Um, Ang, Who's a Sherpa, former president of the Nepal Mountaineering Association said, because of global warming, the ice sheet and glaciers are fast melting and the dead bodies that remained buried all those years are now becoming exposed. Oh, no. I know. I love it. To get one body off the mountain, there are risk, they are risking the lives of 10 more people. Um, some 563 climbers scaled the peak from Nepal's southern side in 2018. And I think that must mean right now is when the season's going on. Yeah, it so is. So I we'll get those numbers soon. <laughs> um, five climbers died on Everest in 2018. And uh, as I said, 293 people have lost their lives since the first attempt to scale Everest in 1921, 118 of whom were Sherpa guides. Um, and that is a couple of the many stories of the bodies on Mount Everest. Amazing. And you can see photos of them. You know, some are gruesome. They're, yeah, they're like mummified. It's creepy. Crazy. I love it. That's amazing. That was great. Thank you.
1: When they started, like in National Geographic or whatever, they started um, putting out articles about how all of the ice is melting on the tops of lots of peaks around the, you know, Mm -hmm. infamous peaks around the world, and that they are starting to find. (laughs) No, They're starting to find uh, like Cro-Magnon yeah. bodies and like old, uh, this guy was out hunting and he was just about to kill a yeah. saber-toothed tiger and like that kind of shit. And that one like, guy who got like stabbed in the back too. Is that like a
0: really, he was like mm-hmm. a really old, basically fossil man that yeah, they found? Yeah, that had been murdered. I love it. That and I love when the ice melts and they find old viruses oh, in the God. ice. Oh, God. That's going to be the end fucking days. It's coming
1: soon. (laughs) Enjoy yourself tonight. That's right. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs?
0: Oh, my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably
1: could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient Do you want to know what I was going to do? Yeah. I, I mean, am going I have, to do? I kind of have to, you but do. I also want to. You can't. Don't look away from this. <laughs> I'm going to go in the other room. let's so cool. go <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> just
0: stay. Okay. 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 Um,
1: I, because we were just in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. St. Paul area, mm-hmm. Minnesota, thank you all, uh, Minneapolis and Milwaukee for uh, enabling us to
0: have such a wonderful end to our tour. Yeah. With some Fucking great hometowns!
1: Oh my god, like Stacy, best Stacy! <laughs> what a crumb! <laughs> T- tell the story real quick. Just uh, when we were in Milwaukee, Georgia, picked a woman named Stacy who came up, and she's a forensic. She's a teacher, she's a psychology professor, I think. Yeah, fr- or, or psychology professor. She's just great. Had a great accent. Told a really, told the story really well, very earnestly. But then in the middle. She was describing how this man killed his wife, I believe, mm-hmm. and it was very gruesome and terrible. And the audience at one point made a noise about what a bummer it was. And then she just stops and goes, I know he's a real crumb. And <laughs> I was trying not to. I always want to say shit while people are telling their story, I but I know it's going to throw them off. Yeah. So I try to be quiet. And, and just your let him tell it. just
0: made me start cracking up. Because- I
1: It was the best thing I've ever heard. You we're so happy
0: about it. It made me laugh so hard to see you trying not to fuck it and lose your shit.
1: I feel like a lady named Stacy who it takes the time to describe us like this murderer. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a crumb is the exact opposite of us where we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll describe the fucking a, a fluffy kitten as a fucking bitch or right? yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. we just it's the idea of that where it's like that's as far as she was willing to yeah. go it just was the most charming bless her heart bless her little heart so um so this is one of the stories that I prepped and then was like there's no way I can do this it's just too much right but also, because I, I've i been given the confirmation multiple times that you haven't done this one yet. And I still think you have. Oh, my God. The weepy voice killer.
0: I have not done it. Okay. I have thought about it so many mm-hmm. times. Oh, I'm ready. And is it because I hate 911 calls? Uh, no. Oh. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I wonder maybe, yeah, maybe it's because it needs that. And you don't, mm, no, I don't know why. I just never did it.
1: Yeah. Oh, I didn't either. And then I was going to. um, But as I was going through it, it's just so, it's so hard to do. um, Well, if they're famous that's one thing yeah. and everyone kind of knows them or whatever but sometimes when and we've talked about this a bunch of times when it's just a killing killing
0: killing yeah. killing no one's picked no one's solving yeah. the crime tragic childhood from the serial killer and it's just like oh okay oh, there's just no
1: i can't get in there and then be like he looks like yeah, yeah. <laughs> look what actor look, look it's dustin hoffman you can't do that <laughs> no. in certain stories it's not funny. nor should you no okay so I got um, information from here's the fucking twist dot com. Ooh. Uh huh. The Criminal Minds wiki page, okay, which is hilarious, and a website called criminally intrigued all right dot com, which has a really good. Their logo for criminally intrigued is the bottom part of a jaw and then a tooth. that's kind of like over here, Ooh. like a loose tooth set to the side. All right. It's set very that thing aside. Right. Come it's, back to it. It's well designed. It's beautifully designed okay. and interesting. Okay. So we're going to start on New Year's Eve, 1980. And a 20-year-old University of Stevens Point, Wisconsin student. named <laughs> Name. Uh, actually, Stevens Point is a very small town in northern Wisconsin that my friend Bradford burlaski is from.
0: You're, it was in your story last time. Yes. Last
1: two weeks ago. Yes weird it is not weird and it's not big at all Uh Um, and there's a woman we met in the meet and greet who said she was from there and that's when i was like my friend bradford's from there anyway okay okay Okay. start over so (laughs) new year's eve 1980 okay okay Okay. okay. so this 20 year old who goes to university of stevens point wisconsin her name is karen potak and she's just gotten to saint paul because she's coming to celebrate new year's eve with her sisters Mm um and so they are going to a party somewhere there's an article that said they were throwing the party mm-hmm. but whatever it is is they end up at this new year's party and um karen along with everybody else in america gets drunk yeah and um she ends up wandering away from the party after midnight and just starts kind of walking around the oh, city
0: drunk i do that shit too I like like I'll be like, this party's too loud. I'll grab the dog in a leash and just fucking walk away from a party. And then yep. you're kind of drunk and you're just like, everything's so beautiful out. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's stupid. It's just... It's risky. It's risky. Thank it's you. A, it's yes. a risky thing. It's it good sucks. to do with a dog. It sucks that we can't, as women, fucking do that. Just do it and yeah. kind of
1: wander around drunk and yeah. have a good time. Yeah.
0: Um. It also makes
1: me think of, too, it's that thing how i would do every party where you kind of go into it with all this hope and this idea of what cool could happen yeah. and it makes me feel like she who maybe she liked somebody and yeah. then at midnight he kissed somebody else or he wasn't even there he didn't even show up yeah or just nobody good showed yeah. up or it was just that kind of thing of like oh, i got to get away I from this party i need to be party. alone yeah. yeah around three in the morning police get a call from a man asking for a squad car to be sent to the Malberg manufacturing company machine shop on Pierce Butler Road, because there's quote a girl hurt there, and the caller's voice is very shaky and filled with emotion. And when the police ask for his name, he hangs up. <gasps> and when the officers get there, um, they find Karen's naked body in a snowbank near uh-huh. the railroad tracks, and she's been beaten with a tire iron oh so severely that her skull's been cracked; they can see her brain. <gasps> But Holy she's alive. Sh- what? She fucking survived. No. Yes. She survives. Now, she doesn't have any memory of the attack. It really, of course, very yeah. severely affected her memory. Oh, my God. And she had to, you know, um, work back from that right. place. But she lived through oh, it. Oh, honey. Yes. But they have no, it just seems like this yeah. this random attack. Um, okay. Are we going to listen to any of them or no? Well, uh, Yes. Okay. we so Stephen has them standing by okay and so we' we'll, we'll go in let me do this one first because that one was um you know she lived and it was the it was basically the first one okay. so the next one is Kimberly Compton um this is the second attack but the first murder so on June 3rd 1981 a group of boys are walking through a wooded area by interstate 35 St Paul. Mm-hmm. And they come across the body of 18-year-old Wisconsin student uh. Kimberly Compton. She has been stabbed with a, an ice pick 61 times. Oh my god! And she then and was strangled with a shoelace. Oy. So at the same time, uh, another call is made to the police, and the caller, tearful, full of emotion, reports the crime that he committed, and he tells the police, um, "God damn, will you find me? I just stabbed somebody with an uh. ice pick. I can't stop." myself i keep killing i keep killing somebody is oh, the phrase that yeah. he uses um and then they trace the call they get to a, a payphone at a bar across the street from a local bus depot but when they get by the time they get there of course the guy's gone uh-huh. uh the killer has gone two days later he calls again <gasps> And here's the here's the phone call.
0: Oh my God. Um, is this is the first time in the history of my favorite murder where we paid, we're, played a 911. We're going to play call? a 911 call, and it's purely so we can hear. Yeah.
1: Don't talk, just listen. I'm sorry what I did to Compton.
0: I couldn't help it. Don't know why I had this hammer. I am so upset about it. I keep getting
1: drunk every night. I can't believe it. It's like a big dream.
0: I can't think of being locked up. If I get locked up, I'd kill myself. I'd rather
1: kill myself to get locked up. I'll try not to kill anybody else. Uh, just. Oh. Uh, so I don't like 911 calls because, well, most of the time, if it is the killer, it's oftentimes a husband pretending right. to be upset when he's actually not.
0: Or but just th- hearing the people actually
1: upset being upset is upsetting (laughs) but this is for some reason this is different to me because he's just talking about himself yeah he has just murdered someone so viciously and insanely and he's calling and acting like he's upset that he did that right but really he just immediately starts talking about i can't go to jail right and that this is all like very sad for him yeah and also just that if I ever had to listen to really anybody, but especially a man talking in that tone of voice, <laughs> like a cowardly I like, lion, sir, ca-
0: sir, <laughs> it sounds like the cowardly lion. It
1: totally does. i be Emma. Don't, don't I'll try try to Emma. To Listen. I don't know. Oh, um. Yeah. It's. It's. I would have as a nine one one dispatcher probably um, been very disrespectful to that <laughs> to that man he does not turn himself in as he just said in that phone call mm-hmm. um and uh he does kill someone else so on july 21st 1982 a woman named carol kellogg goes to her friend's house kathleen greening they're gonna go on vacation to mackinac island and Carol knocks on the door. Nobody answers. Um, then she tries the door and it's unlocked. Mm. So she goes into the house and she calls for Kathleen and no one answers. So she starts looking around the house, checking every room. And Kathleen's not there. And finally, Carol notices that the bathroom lights on. So she goes upstairs to the bathroom door and she opens it and she finds Kathleen's naked body lying face up in a filled bathtub. <gasps> and her head is under the tap. or Her legs are down to the other uh. side. Um, so she calls the police, police arrive, and they ultimately rule Kathleen's death an accident.
0: No. Because
1: there's not, there's no proof that anything, uh, nefarious happened. But Kathleen's friends and family don't think it's an accident, yeah. and they actually think that her estranged husband could be responsible. But there's the police look into him and there's no char- No charges are filed against right. him. Uh, about a month later, on August 5th, the same year, 40-year-old Barbara Simons goes out for a night at the Hexagon Bar in Minneapolis. And she meets a man there. Mm-hmm. She, um, He's about to smoke a cigarette. She offers him one. Mm-hmm. Um, then later on, he offers her a ride home. And she says yes. Mm-hmm. And as she's leaving, she actually says to the bartender... Um, he is cute I hope he's nice since he's giving me a ride home oh. and then they leave so the next morning August 6th um there's a basically a, a paper boy but it, m- it might be an adult yeah um uh is walking along the Mississippi River and they find Barbara's body her dead body she's been stabbed over a hundred times
0: oh my god yeah
1: um it's like that's rage stabbing you know beyond i mean yeah but he doesn't even know these these women right it's insane overkill yeah and it must be so disturbing for the people that find these bodies oh, again the police get another phone call oh. and um it's the same voice and this time he's full-on crying and he once again starts the call please don't talk just listen um which is how he's starting yeah. these calls Do you want to try the the next one okay
0: Player emergency. Please don't talk. Just listen. I'm sorry. I killed a girl. I stand there 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one on my seat. Oh, I, I don't know what's about me. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself, I think. Where are I'm, you? I'm just gonna,
1: I, if somebody dies with a red on, it's me. I killed Calm down, I don't the dispatcher. Think,
0: yeah. Calm down. It's not real. What his the emotion? Yeah, I you know I always thought it was when I've heard it in the past, but now I'm like, no, he just wants credit for these murders and attention, attention and credit,
1: and and he's crying for himself. Yeah. The last thing he said, you could barely understand it. He says, "I've killed more people. I'll never make it to heaven." Uh, He's crying about himself. And I think there's, you know... Obviously, there's that interesting, like, is this a Jekyll and Hyde situation where he's doing these mm-hmm. crazy overkill murders, waking up and then feeling bad? Wait, so he just took credit for the woman who drowned, right? No, he no. Kim Kimberly Compton, who is the the first one who was stabbed oh, okay. and strangled with the shoelace. Okay, he's at, he did not take credit for for that. And but because, how do they know? But how do they change it? You're gonna tell me, probably. Yes, <laughs> it's a reveal. Okay. Yeah, and I won't. She doesn't actually fit into the M O. Yeah. So, actually, that one does – it goes – it stands alone cold for a while. Okay, tell me, tell me. And, again, normally I really can't even – I can't take 911 calls yeah. at all. But there's something about this one that is just like – it's so – it's just like the dispatcher that finally breaks in that's like, calm down. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you even doing? Yeah. What is this it's for? like he's
0: leading this thing that they, no one else has anything to do with it. He wants control over – That's creepy. It's so creepy.
1: And also, but then he's just kind of complaining. Yeah, He's complaining. Yeah. Okay. So investigators start their search for the killer, trying to identify the man that Barbara left the bar with the night before. So the witnesses, they all tell authorities that they remember seeing Barbara leave with a man that was around 40 years old, six feet tall, 185 pounds. He's a white man with a receding hairline. Okay, so then on August 21st, 1982, so this is basically a month after that, police are still searching um, for Barbara Simons' killer from the Hexagon Bar when a 19-year-old Minneapolis sex worker named Denise Williams is out on the streets working. A client approaches her. They talk about pricing, and then she gets into his car. They drive to a secluded location. Um, they have sex. And then afterwards, he says he's going to drive her back home. And then as they're driving, Denise notices that they're, they're actually going further away mm. into like, into an area that she doesn't recognize. They're not going back to the city.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's a very dark suburban area. She's, she's starting to get uneasy and she knows she's in danger. Yeah. She, uh, has a bottle near Ooh. her leg mm-hmm. that she has. She just knows where it is. Yeah. So she's kind of prepped. Um, he pulls off onto a dead end street, turns and starts stabbing her with a <gasps> screwdriver. But she's ready, so she grabs the bottle from the floor of the car and smashes him in the head. Yes.
0: Um,
1: and then she starts screaming and she actually wakes up a neighbor nearby uh-huh. who comes out of his house. Um, he tackles the, the attacker to the ground and saves Denise, but the attacker ends up escaping. And by the end of the whole thing, Denise has been stabbed with the screwdriver 15 times. Holy
0: shit.
1: Yeah. So the neighbor calls, um, an ambulance for Denise and then he tells the police all about what the, the attacker looks like. And meanwhile, um, the attacker has made his way back to his apartment and he. But they have his car. Uh, no, he got, oh. he got away. Okay. But when he gets to his apartment, he calls an ambulance for himself. No. Uh Uh-huh. So it's another 911 call. And he's calling in saying... I need help and doing the same weird voice and the dispatcher who takes that call from him goes this is that (gasps) person that keeps calling and saying they've killed somebody and then someone ends up stabbed to death and so the dispatcher basically tells the police I think this is the same guy that's been calling in these murders and so police show up at um, the attacker's apartment and he is finally identified as 37 year old Paul Michael Stefani he's arrested and he's charged with second degree assault for Denise Williams James's attack. Okay. Okay, so as they dig deeper um into Stefani's background, they're able to connect Barbara Simons' murder to him because of the ey- eyewitness account. So there's a waitress who saw Barbara Simons leave the hexagon bar with a man that she knew was Paul Stefani. She knew his name. No. So when the police came back around to look into Stefani, um, she was like, oh, yes, that that she left with Paul. What? I I know that that's who it was. So they look into Paul Stefani's background and they see that he used to work at the Malberg Manufacturing Company, uh-huh. which was the place he was fired there in March of 1977, which was three years before um, Karen Pollock's attack. And that's the place where her body was found. Oh, yeah, right. So. Basically, they're able to add uh, a murder charge for Barbara Simons on top of the assault charge for Mm -hmm. Denise Williams. So little tiny bit of background about Paul Stefani. There's not much and it's not that interesting, but he was born September 8th, 1944 in Austin, Minnesota. He was one of 10 kids, super religious family. Um, and super repressed he married a woman as an adult named Beverly Leiter and they had a daughter together but they later divorced mm. basically the, the Stefani goes to trial for that murder and for the attack. And his ex-wife Beverly, his sister and his former roommate all come to testify that the voice that you hear on these 911 calls is his voice. Oh my God. They're all, they're all there saying that's him. Yeah. Basically are just trying to get these, the, the charges that they have for these attacks and then connect these other ones that they don't, that have gone cold. They want to link to him. Um, but. Because he becomes so incoherent at the end of those calls. Mm-hmm. When he does that, and it turns into that, they can't like directly connect it because basically it could be anybody making that right. noise. It's not distinctly his voice. Um, so, but even still, Stefani is found guilty, f- guilty in both the second degree assault charge and the murder charge for Barbara Simon's death. And they give him 40 years in prison. That's so, it? yeah, 40 years, 40 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in 1997, he's 53 years old, he's still in prison, and he gets diagnosed with skin cancer. And when the doctors tell him he has about a year to live, he tells the authorities that he has other confessions about other attacks <sighs> that he wants to make. He says he wants to apologize to the victim's family before he dies. So on a taped confession, he confesses to the murders of Kathleen Greening, Kimberly Compton, and the tire iron attack on Karen Pollock. And he hadn't even been a suspect in the Greening case. That's the one where she was in the bathtub. And because there was no phone calls made, that was like a really early one. And he just basically gave it to them. Wow. Yeah. So about uh in 1998 a year later after that stefani dies at oak parks heights maximum security prison just shy of his 54th birthday
0: Jesus. and
1: that is the short and upsetting story <laughs> of the weepy voiced killer oh
0: my god yeah i hate him isn't he the worst yeah
1: i'm glad one of us finally did that
0: i, know. <laughs> like, I don't know why we have it i know Wow. I mean, I think I've been so anti. Oh, yeah, because of the... I and mean, then maybe, yeah, maybe I just didn't want to play it for you. So it's good that you did it. Yeah. Because now I'm not forcing anything on you. Well, and also I realize it's like, I want to I paint
1: that with a broad brush of like, I don't ever want to hear any 911 call, yeah. which is true. Except for there's something about this one. Yeah. It's like, it feels different. No, it is. It totally is. And it's just so like, I don't know. It just fascinates me. It's just that thing of these people and these 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 fucking crazy murderers who then also think I just don't it's so fascinating what they think and the way they do things. Or just like yeah. he's crying for himself. He feels worse for himself than anybody in yeah. that situation. Just that void of humanity. But still able have. to pity himself. Yeah. Is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Fucking fucking A man. Fucking A. Good job. <laughs> uh fucking hooray yeah fucking great time um i guess i will say this one and i'm not sure if you're gonna remember this but um it was a couple years ago my niece lauren was down um down here down south going to college just out of high school and she really hated it immediately and uh was really miserable and having a terrible time and um she would come and hang out with me every once in a while just cause she was like, it was a really small school. It was a really weird area. She wasn't her room. She, nothing was working out yeah. the way she wanted it to. She wanted some familiarity. Yeah. So she would come and hang out with me and just kind of like tell me about how much she hated it and just, she just felt like she made the wrong decision. Oh. Um, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, today she graduated <gasps> from Berkeley. Oh my God. With an anthropology, um, degree. <sighs> Because she's such a badass that in that time, she basically went to her parents and was like, I can't go to this college anymore. I'm so miserable. And and her parents were like, didn't want to let her just quit. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to say you should actually just go here for two more years. It's better for your. They had kind of had this plan in place. Yeah. and then I basically, I basically was like, if I could just yeah. on her behalf say, I get why you want to like hold the line on this, but right. it really does suck. And it's a tiny school and two years is a very long time, especially when you're young and miserable. Right. And she does have a plan. She just doesn't yeah. want to do it down there. It's not like she's like partied her way out of school right. like
0: me. And it's not like it'll ding your record that much that you'll never get a job once you get out of college or whatever.
1: Right. And also I think it's a thing of like, I think she, She was nervous about it, too. All of this is to say Uh that, you know, this was a this was a low time in her life. And what she did was basically just kind of like pack it up, go home, get into the JC. And she just started working and she knew where she wanted to be. Yeah. And she worked her way into Berkeley, which is one of the best schools there is. Yeah. And um and and got. To the point where she graduated, like Incredible. very quickly. And she just, I don't know, she just turned it all around. Like her life is so different than it was, um, when all that happened. And I'm just so proud of her. So anyway, I'm just thrilled. And I, uh, but it also is that thing of if you make a decision and you're like, here's the big thing I'm going to do. And you go down that road for a while and you don't like it, you get to change your mind. Totally. It's hard. Uh, Like, I'm sure there's parents that'll that'll weigh in. There's lots of people, especially if you're spending their money. There's lots of people that have lots of opinions. And there's lots of times where people won't make that decision because they go like, oh, everybody at home will find out. And I'll be ashamed because everybody else is doing this and that. And how do I compare and blah, blah, blah. And you cannot make decisions for yourself and for your future based on what other people are going to think. You have to do what you what's good and right for you yeah. and best for you. And you have to, like, figure out your path and you get to figure and refigure it a couple times. Yeah. And I think she's just this shining example of how you can do that. And you can start over and go, like, basically recalibrate and do whatever you want.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Good yeah. For her. Congratulations. I know. Her. I'm
1: so proud of her. Yeah,
0: I bet. Um, mine is a piece of paper that I got in therapy today. Um, that is a list of the 10 classic unhelpful thinking styles. Um 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear them. My, my brain feels broken a lot cause I go to the wrong spot when, you know, like Vince is going to hate me if I ask if he'll do the laundry, you know, like it just doesn't compute correctly sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um and so my our therapist gave this to me that was like everyone does that. It's totally normal. Maybe yours does it a little more than everyone else's, but it's normal. And so
1: But probably not. Right. Yeah.
0: Well yeah. So there uh I'll learn I'll just name it, but you can look up 10 uh the 10 classic unhelpful thinking styles, I think is what it's called. Do you want to hear them? Yeah. All or nothing thinking. Yep. A mental filter. Paying attention to only certain types of advice, mm-hmm. um, jumping to conclusions, emotional reasoning, uh, assuming that because we feel a certain way and what we think must be true, uh, labeling, labeling ourselves, overgeneralizing, disqualifying the positive, <laughs> hi, hey, hi. Um, magnification, catastrophizing, and min- minimization. So like everything is the worst. Whatever I've done that good, it doesn't count. Right. Um, using critical words like should, must, and ought. And personalization, like, this is my fault. And I do all of those a lot. And, but then I was like, Vince and I afterwards, I was like, do you do those? Cause Vince always seems so like fucking together to me. And he's like, yeah, all the time. Ta- like, he, even him looks like, you know, affected by it. So that's kind of nice. Right. Know. Everybody is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It yeah. just doesn't seem like it. Cause they're on the outside. Right. Not having to deal with the
0: shit that you hear on the inside. It just seems so much easier for other people to like, get it especially when you can't yeah um so that's it mental health yeah that's good yeah um check out our podcasts on exactly right network they're doing some really cool shit we have murder squad fucking percast do you need a ride this podcast will kill you and the fall line and the fall line is doing until uh, June 20th. They're having a contest. If you donate $10 towards the billboard, um, for fuck, hold on. The fund. Yeah. $10 towards the bill, the millbrook fund. And you can go on the fall line, their Instagram and read all about it. You get, uh, put into a contest to get a signed copy of our book. Uh, so check that out. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's, and, uh, and then the proceeds of that all go toward keeping that billboard up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super cool. I love that those guys, it's all they're all actually doing stuff. Yeah. They're taking some action. Yeah. It's really exciting. Totally. Cool. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh and what else? That's it, right? I think so. Um, yeah. Th- thanks for sticking around. Yeah. And stay sexy And don't get murdered Goodbye Goodbye. Elvis do you want a cookie?